0: Why Mary? Three characteristics of godliness illustrated in the life of Mary. A dilemma. A dilemma dilemma can be understood as a difficult situation or a problem. Most of us encounter dilemmas almost every day. And some of these dilemmas are inconsequential. For example, rather to choose paper or plastic at the grocery store. Or where shall we eat lunch on Sunday afternoon after worship services? But some can be more serious and difficult. Rather to, rather to sell your house and move to a new location or to accept a new job with new responsibilities and conditions. I face a dilemma. Each year, when I stand here and try to think of a new series of messages about Christmas and the coming of the Messiah with some new perspective or perspectives, see our familiarity with the story of the birth of Christ threatens to undermine our sense of awe and wonder at the miraculous birth of Jesus. Causes us to lose sight of the fact that most people who are part of the story are just common people like you and me. They experience the same emotions that we experience. Wonder, confusion, doubt, and fear. And one of these is Mary, the mother of Jesus. Perhaps the best known woman in the Bible. Now every person has their story recorded in the Bible for a reason. Not necessarily that we get to know them in particular who they are, but to learn from their story how they what they did and how they did it. And there's much we can learn from Mary. For example, number 1, Mary teaches us the submission of godliness. When the angel Gabriel came to Mary about the news of Jesus, she had no warning, she had no preparation, she had no timeline, and no precedence. And the entire dialogue between her and the angel took place in her home. She learned that she was going to bear a son, that his name would be Jesus, and that his birth would be like any other child ever born before or after him. She is going to have a child without having sexual relations with a man. And he would be the child of the Holy Spirit. And how did Mary respond to all this news? That she was to become the mother of the Messiah. Look at verse 38, Luke 1, Behold the maidservant, or the bondservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. In other words, Lord, I don't understand this, I don't comprehend it, but whatever you desire, be it unto me according to your word. Right now, God is speaking to you. He is coming to you, convicting you of something you need to do or something to be changed in your life. Are you going to answer in the same way Mary did? Let it be according to your word. We need more missionaries here at home and around the world. We need more people to answer the call to vocational ministry. We need more pastors, preachers, teachers. Are you going to answer affirmatively and say, yes, God, I don't understand this. I don't comprehend it. I'm not very well, but if you're calling me to do it, I know you will see me through it. Now Mary must have wondered, why have I been favored? Why me? Now the reasons why she was chosen are not told to us in Scripture. They are only known to God himself. However, it is clear from studying her life and the little information that we do have, she was no random selection. Yes, she was an ordinary small-town girl, but she was obedient and courageous. From her son, we learn that she was a woman of Scripture and a woman of faith. She was the virgin that the glory of God was miraculously demonstrated through. She was a peasant in keeping with his humble birth. She was honored and obeyed the will of the Father. She provided his only son a home from which he could emerge to launch the work that would change and define all of human history. Now listen, the child Jesus who toddled behind Mary in his infancy would be the same one that Mary would have to follow. She would walk behind him all the way to the cross and to the tomb. By this and more, Mary teaches us a submission of godliness. There will be times when God will ask you to do something. Something that you do not understand. Something that will be hard. When God asks me to do something that may be hard, something I don't understand, my prayer is that I will rise up in the obedience with the words of Mary, be it according to me. Be it unto me according to your word. Lord, what you want, I am your servant. I will do what you ask me to do. If you've been fighting with something that God's asking you to do, let me ask you to go back and learn from Mary the submission of godliness and let your word be hers. Lord God, let it be to me according to your word. I will do what you tell me to do. I have to admit that so oftentimes I've read that story and just skipped right over it, but when you think of the context and what she was about to go through, for her to say, here I am, I will do it, is remarkable. She also teaches us the surprise of godliness. The Word of God tells us that when you walk with God, He doesn't always give you all the information up front. It's like a need-to-know basis, and that is the way it was with Mary. Her whole relationship with Jesus was a relationship of surprise. How did she respond when she heard Gabriel's announcement? Look at verse 29. When he first showed up, it says, But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and consider what matter greeting this was. But she was surprised. She had no preparation for this assignment. God surprised her with the message of his plan for her life. And let me echo that to you this morning. God will surprise you with the plan that he has for your life. I never thought I'd be back in Forestburg, Texas, but here I am. I never thought I'd go to seminary and have the privilege to study, but I did so. I never thought I'd be a preacher standing in the pulpit every Sunday declaring God's word, but here am I. And I'm not doing this because I'm the best preacher. I stumble over my words. I'm not the greatest orator. But I'm here to tell you, if God's telling you to do it, He will equip you. Quit fighting it and answer the call. Look at Scripture. See, you can't be like me and try to use speech. Moses tried that thing, and what did God tell him? Who do you think gave man the ability to speak in the first place? He will equip you. Why, When the shepherds showed up and told Mary and Joseph what the angels had said to them about Jesus at his birth, she came quietly, pensive or thoughtful, and Luke chapter 2, verses 18 and 19, and all those who heard it marvel at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Have you ever had a time when Almighty God has spoken to you or directed you, and it made you just pause and wonder and think? makes you pause and wonder about what God has said, like Mary, we will often find ourselves surprised in our walk with God. See, so we don't have a blueprint for our lives, do we? Don't have a blueprint for our children's lives or our grandchildren's lives. It doesn't work like that. See, so we want to take a piece of paper, and we want to approach God and say, okay, I'll do this, God, if you keep me in the United States, that you keep me to home, that you have me have a good job. We list all these conditions. Now, if you sign on this, God, I'll, I'll serve. God says, no, you serve affirmatively right now, and I'll tell you where to go and what to do. Trust me. I mean, after all, you trust him for your salvation, don't you? Why don't we trust him for everything else? See, when we submit to the Lord by faith like Mary did, we'll discover that he's always there for us, That he hears our prayers and he will meet our needs. But he wants you to trust him. Have faith in him. Mary teaches us not only submission of godliness, but also surprise of godliness. The adventure of walking with Jesus Christ is the greatest adventure you will ever know on this earth. Heaven will be so much better. But nothing before that will be. Just think, to know that you are related to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, to know that the Creator of the universe has sent His Son, to know that you have direct communication to the Almighty God, to know that you can have fellowship with Him, to know that He will direct you and guide you and strengthen you and be with you. That is truly a great adventure, but it's also full of surprises. And you'll be amazed where God will take you and what He will do. People you will meet. You know, and for God directed me here, and me being obedient to God, I would never met most of you, wouldn't know who you are, wouldn't be a part of your life. But God directed me here. You think you're here this morning by accident? You're here because God told you He wanted you here. This is a, a divine appointment. To chase the rabbit for a second, is not supposed to be passive it's not consumer driven if you will you don't come for the study and the songs and the preaching you come because you're seeking god you come because you want to hear a word from him But see that all ends and begins with you what are you willing to do it's more about sitting in the purest listening to god and being being to god and being changed in the image of his son about giving him all the glory that he is worth. Mary teaches us also about the suffering of godliness. The joy and gladness of Christmas is only meaningful in light of the fact that it's just the beginning, not the end. Christmas by itself is a beautiful story, no doubt about it. But by itself, it's just a beautiful story and nothing more. But when you put Christmas together with Easter, you realize that the cradle and the grave have a straight line drawn between them. Then Christmas becomes more powerful and more meaningful, as displayed right here. The cradle and shadow of the cross. There was no need for a cradle if there's not a cross. Jesus came to die. That's why He came to earth. Now Jesus made seven distinct statements from the cross in his dying hour before he gave up his spirit. And all seven of these can be found in the Gospels. Luke 23:24. Jesus, hanging on the cross, said, "Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do." asking the Father to forgive those who are crucifying Him. Luke 23, verse 43. Surely I say to you that today you will be in me in paradise, and the thief on the cross saying, we deserve this, but please remember me when you go into your kingdom. And that's the promise that Jesus made. Matthew chapter 27, verse 46. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And He bears all the sin of the world upon His shoulders. In agony, he cries out. In John chapter 19, verse 28, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Then in John chapter 19, verse 30, So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up the spirit. Just as a side note, we read in Revelation about cups and bowls being poured out. Imagine, if you will, a cup, a big cup full of all the wrath and judgment of God against sin and all this punishment. As though Jesus took it all and drank it all down himself. And when everything was accomplished, he turned the cup upside down and said, it is finished. In Luke chapter 23, verse, excuse me, verse 46, (coughs) and when Jesus cried out with a live voice, he said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Now, if you were to listen very carefully, that's only six, I left one out on purpose, because it doesn't seem to fit the rest of them in some respects. John 19, verse 26 and 27, here it is. When Jesus therefore saw his mother And the disciple, whom he loved, standing by John, speaking of himself, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. In his last dying moments here on this earth, Jesus turned his thoughts away from the cross towards concern for his mother. And he turned to John that John would take care of her. That is has to be one of the most tender moments in all the New Testament record, that in the midst of the pain and the suffering, he will look down at his adoptive earthly mother and make sure she was taken care of. Ladies, could you imagine standing there, watching your son, the one that you held in your arms at one point, being crucified in such manner? In the Christmas story, there's little prophecy that makes us look into the crucifixion. However, do you remember when they took Jesus to the temple to be circum- circumcised? And they brought him to a, a person named Simeon? Luke chapter 34, excuse me, Luke chapter 2, verse 34 and 35. Then Simeon blessed him and said to his Mary, his mother. Listen to what he told her, Behold, This child is destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Mary is told that this child is going to cause her much sorrow and pain, that a sword will be pierced through her own soul. And that prophecy was filled 30 years later as Mary watched her son being beaten, crucified, and nailed to the cross. She knew about the godliness of suffering. I came across a gentleman named James Stocker. He's a, a writer of New Testament uh, commentaries and things. And listen to how he describes this moment in the life of Mary. Quote, there hung Jesus before her eyes, but she was helpless. His wounds bled, but she dared not touch them. His mouth was parched, but she could not moisten them. The nails pissed, pierced her as well as him. The thorns around his brow were a circle of flame around her heart. End of quote. I imagine the early days of his childhood played in her mind. The hands and feet that she held when he was an infant were now nailed to the cross. The disciples would leave him, his friends would forsake him, the nations would reject him, but his Mary was there, his mother Mary was there to the very end. And these two snapshots of Mary, his birth and his death, we're reminded that God wants us to learn from the people of the Bible. From Mary, you learn about the submission of godliness, the surprise of godliness, and a lesson that we don't really want to learn, and that's the suffering of godliness. It's a part of life. Whether we we either embrace it and learn from it, or we spend our entire existence on this earth fighting against it. Fighting against something that which we can never overcome. Our Lord suffered, Mary suffered. And we will also experience suffering. The suffering that comes with living. You and I have much to learn from the life of Mary. Suffering. You know, you take both ends of that his miraculous birth, the emotions that she must have felt, the confusion, the doubt. Probably being marked by real cool by the people in the town who thought she had cheated on Joseph, and yet at the other end of it, this this boy who grew up, who did miracles, became a great teacher, is now being beaten and crucified. I can't imagine the emotion that must have ran through her head and through her heart. Suffering. You know, there's a part in a movie, and movies do break down. Every illustration does, but Mary is kind of following him as he's going his way up the Golgotha, and he's carrying the cross. And he falls, and she runs to him. It flashes back to her running to him when he was a little child and fell and hurt his knee. And she tells him, I'm here, I'm here. And without looking at her directly, he picks up the cross, embraces the cross and says, behold, mother, I make all things new. See, here is the remarkable thing as it relates to Mary. She was the mother of Jesus. But she needed Jesus to be her Savior. Just as much as every one of us, the Magnificent, in Luke chapter 1, reveals us. Luke chapter 1, verses 46 and 47, Mary saying, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. As fantastic as this is, the Savior who was born in the womb of Mary had to be born again in the heart of Mary. And the Savior whose birth we celebrate during this season is the Savior that must be born in our hearts as well. The question that faces us all today is, have you invited him into your heart? Take up residency within you. How do you do that? Easy. Very simple. First of all, you admit that you're a sinner. You've broken God's law. We've gone through this so many times. First one out of the bag. Have you ever told a lie? Bear false witness. And once you realize you've broken God's law and His commandments, you admit that. You confess. When you confess it, all you're doing is agreeing with God, yes, God, I have sinned against you. Even when I commit a sin against one of you or to my wife, the first place I have to go for forgiveness is God. That's the first person I offend. Once I take care of that, then I have to go to the other person and ask for forgiveness. Have you done that? Have you publicly declared that, yes, Jesus is not only your Savior, but also your Lord? Why do we ask people to walk down an aisle in a public setting like this? Because Jesus... It's not ashamed of you. In fact, the Bible says if you confess him before men, he'll confess you before his Father in heaven. But if you won't confess him before men, he will deny you before his Father in heaven. That's in the Gospels. What is holding you back? It's good news. Absolutely good news. And for all of us who are Christians in this this place today, those who are Christians within the sound of my voice, God is always calling you deeper into relationship with Him, to become closer to Him, become more like His Son. What is keeping you back? What's holding you back? Because let me just share something with you. Regardless of what the world says, you can't blame somebody else for your own actions. You can't blame somebody else for your behavior. It doesn't work like that. You'll have to answer for yourself. He's here. He's ready. And he's willing. But I must warn you. Time is of the essence. Time is clicking by. And just because one's physical age might be a little older or younger, a little younger doesn't mean you have more time or less time. doesn't work like that. But take care of today. We're not promised tomorrow. You think we're going to learn that after COVID after 9-11. All these things that remind us how precious life is. Take care of it today. I'll be up here you want to pray, you want to come to Christ, I encourage you to do that today. If you want to join us here, be a part of this body, then you can do that today, right now. The opportunity is yours. That's why it's called an invitation. No one here is going to laugh at you. No one's going to make fun of you. No one's going to mock you. We will come beside you, and we'll pray with you. We'll cry with you. We'll walk with you, but we'll never make fun of you or ridicule you will walk beside you as together we follow the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for the gift of your Son. To know that, Jesus, you would step out of heaven trade the highest throne, the all creation for a manger. To trade the highest throne for a cross. May we not just simply say thank you, but may our lives reflect that truth every day. And may we seize the opportunity in this this time of year when people are thinking about and talking about the gospel and about the birth, the nativity scene. Father, give us opportunities we can speak truth. We know time is short. And you've given us, your church, the mission to go out and to make disciples of all nations not just a select few, but everybody. Father, I pray for those within the sound of my voice, even now that are wrestling against making decisions. Father, I ask in the mighty name of Christ, you bind the evil one away from here. He has no place. May we hear your voice, the voice of truth and respond in complete obedience to your call on our lives as individuals and as a church. In the precious name of Christ, we pray.